The tendency, I think, is in a commercial context or a any sort of organizational context outside the military is people tend to try and look at all the information available, draw in as much information as they possibly can to work out what they should then do. But you just end up being paralyzed, as you referred to it, by the amount of information, much of which is conflicting, much of which is not really helpful to the decision you're trying to make. So what the military will do is say, right, what decisions do I need to make? So therefore, what questions do I need answered? And then we only go looking for the information that helps us answer that question. And that is it. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, welcome back. Gavin here, episode number 103 of the Business Mastermind podcast. I hope you're safe and well. Now, I know a number of you will be asking the question, what next? What should we be doing in terms of our business? beyond lockdown. And so today's conversation will be really relevant to you. I'm joined by Chris Payton. He, a former lieutenant colonel in the British Royal Marines, he runs a consultancy called Quirk Solutions, and they specialize in helping businesses to improve their decision making and to improve performance. And we talk about um, mental burnout, decompression, how we can help your teams to decompress as we transition from either furlough or lockdown or working from home back into the way of work. We talk about remobilization of your supply chain and the things that you can be doing there to improve that. Chris shares three things he recommends that you do to remobilize your supply chains. We talk about uh, testing and training to develop your ability to function and perform under periods of t- stress and also under different critical scenarios. And um, We also talk about the things that you need to focus on and adopt a military approach to improve your strategic thinking. Um, Fascinating takeaways that we summarise at the end. You're going to love this one and it's very relevant to where you are right now and will help you to start the planning and preparation phase getting back to whatever a new normal will look like. So into my interview now with Chris Payton of Quirk Solutions. Hello, good morning. Gavin Preston here, uh, Business Mastermind Podcast. Chris Payton is my guest today, and Chris is the Managing Director of Quirk Solutions. They provide training on implementing pragmatic techniques to impress business performance, to improve business performance through situational awareness, leadership, team, and communications, but also to improve decision-making. Chris has a background in the Royal Marines, former Lieutenant Colonel in the Royal Marines, and I'm very honoured to have Chris here because the mindset, the training, the experience and the background, I think is particularly pertinent to what business owners are going through now. So Chris, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you, Gavin. I'm delighted to be here and to have a, have a conversation with you. So um, do you want to, first of all, introduce um, Quirk, Quirk Solutions and a little bit about the work that you do within Quirk? Uh, yeah, sure. We're a, a boutique management consultancy, essentially. And we specialize in strategy execution, helping people achieve what they what they want to achieve and doing so successfully. So a lot of our work is either around training and enabling the team within the organization to perform better, um, to make better decisions, to test their plans, to build their plans. 
So it's it's all about getting from A to B and, and people achieving results without having so many crises along the way, without having lots of slowdowns and stoppages because of mistakes that they could have and should have predicted if they just thought about it and went about it in a slightly different framework. Great. On my podcast, I've, I've just mentioned to you before we sort of recorded the press record that um, I've been doing a mini series called Keep Your Boat Afloat and I've been migrating the conversation from survival through to how do we emerge from um, lockdown. And I know you've been running a, a webinar series yourself um, from your business and you've been talking about beyond lockdown. Now you talk about this concept about being viable in six months and things such as situational awareness, detailed planning and testing, for example. Um, yeah. Do you want to speak a little bit to, to, to those sort of thoughts that you've been working on with your clients? Yeah, I think that um, essentially, uh, when w- whatever point in time we end up being beyond lockdown, and nobody can really put their finger on what that is yet, there's going to be a transitionary period from where we are now to there. Uh, and I think that there's an awful lot of factors that are going to come in to have to be considered, so particularly around people um, within teams and organisations that have you know, teams within, no matter how small those teams are, individuals right now will be feeling a, a, in a certain mental mindset. Sure. No, they're, they're at home. A lot of them are working from home or they may have been furloughed. Sure. Um, or they may be actually in an industry where they're in huge demand and they're working incredibly hard to try and keep up. Yes. So, Whichever frame of reference they then come from, they've, they've settled into, because that's what we tend to do. We're creatures of habit. We settle into our patterns and onto our routines. Um, so for those of people who have been working from home, for example, or been furloughed, the only times they've been stepping out of their home feels like it's a slightly higher risk environment and they feel safe and secure within their home. So as they come back to work, as they transition back to that return to work and that new day one, whenever the new day one is going to be, um, that is going to feel very disruptive for them uh, and there's going to be a degree of anxiety and and fear you then got the issue that some organizations you know you've got these three sort of tribes if you like those who have been furloughed those who have stayed at work those have been working from home how how do you bring those three tribes back together again because the people who have been staying at work will be feeling tired potentially exhausted a bit overworked and also like the sense of we've been there seen it done it Whereas the people working from home will feel a little bit like, well, we weren't really in the thick of things. I'm feeling a little bit you know, on the back foot here. Then people feeling who are furloughed will be in a very different position again. So how, how do you bring those, those individuals back together? Um, there's also that situational awareness piece, which is hugely important around what is happening in terms of markets, in terms of cultures and behaviours globally. You know, trends that are changing potentially around more digitized working more online meetings and things like this versus face-to-face people wanting to put pressure on the fact that well actually now i can do some work from home you know a bit more often can i can i do that or not yes now you know there's 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 lots of information out there right now and almost an overload of information articles around what the, the new future might look like and there's a really good um boston consulting group article came out in april um, which is called Sensing and Shaping the Post-COVID Era, talking about some of the effects that it might have on our cultures and on behaviours and on society and, and on trends. Um, there's another really good article in The Atlantic written by Tom Wright on the 4th of April, 
talking about the fact that the globalization will be impacted as individual countries seek to protect their population and the population demands that their country protects them. And so will we see breaks and schisms in global alliances? Interesting. And then you've got other people out there talking, you know, a speaker I heard the other day talking very passionately about the fact that although there may be a shift in behaviours when we first get back to that new day one, and the, the cursor may have shifted very quickly, the pendulum will move back to where we have been before because we of the behaviors and the you know the traditions and the cultures that we that we haven't retained so there's there's an awful lot to be thinking about it and i think there's almost an overload of situation if you're if you're not overload of information if you're not careful to you know that which then gets confusing around making decisions and what you're going to do about your people who comes back when what is that detailed plan as to which departments come back to do what jobs what levels of risk are we exposing people to because inevitably as the tap is turned back on by the government to allow people to come back to work you've got a greater population moving around which will inevitably create the opportunity for a resurgence in infection rates so you've got maybe key people who are crucial to your business working from home right now and very effectively and yet you bring them back to work too soon they get the infection and now you've lost them through illness for a period of time so all of these things are are going to have to be thought about in that transitionary period so in the face of that so there's again a multiple of different potential scenarios about increased home working you know there's articles that you just referred to um i think there's also pressure for for some employees to maintain home working when others want to get back to kind of like business as usual or as was um the unknown, one of the things that we, we, we talked about briefly before we, we started recording was I'm encountering with a number of my clients that the unknown around when lockdown is going to end, what in what ways are things going to be different, is providing uncertainty and indecision and paralysis and in face of all these uh, different points of view that you read and watch. Um, how do you cut through? What, what have you found to be really effective in cutting through the noise? Um, well, there's a couple of things, I think. First, first and foremost is, is to almost use um, some of the principles from Stoicism and, and the Stoic philosophers, right. you know, like Marcus Aurelius, which is around only worry about essentially what you can control. You know, I think lots of people get, find themselves under pressure and under self-induced pressure because they're worrying about what might happen when they have no ability to control those elements. So only focusing on what you can control is, is, the, is, is the first thing. You know, a, a ship at sea being faced with some sort of storm coming its way, you know, the captain and the crew cannot do anything about the storm or the waves that they will encounter. All they can control is what is within the ship and the teamwork within the ship. So that, that's, I think, the first thing. I think the second thing really is it is about asking better questions. Okay. Really good colleague of mine, another former Royal Marine, um, called Graham Hogg, is based out in New York. Um, you know, he he wrote a book, Seeing Around Corners, and about how we use data better to ask better. And that's his mantra: is ask better questions. Uh, and it is a military philosophy. You know, the tendency I think is in a commercial context or a, you know, any sort of organizational context outside the military is people tend to 
try and look at all the information available, draw in as much information as they possibly can to work out what they should then do. Yes. But you just end up being paralyzed, as you referred to it, by the amount of information, much of which is conflicting, yes. much of which is not really helpful to the decision you're trying to make. So what the military will do is say, right, what decisions do I need to make? So therefore, what questions do I need answered? And then we only go looking for the information that helps us answer that question. And that is it. So that keeps you laser focused on those questions that you need answered and laser focused on just the information that you need to answer them instead of getting drawn and distracted by all the noise and the rest of it, which frankly is, is just slowing you down. So what do you, can you give some, I know it's asking off the top of your head, but what would be good questions for a business owner to be asking now? Um, in particular, I think it's, it's issues like um, what, what, does, what, does, what, would my, what is my market, what is happening to my market right now? Right. Um, what is happening to trends within my market? What new services are arriving in my market? All of these things are going to help you focus where you're actually looking. Because what we don't want to do is to transition beyond lockdown with the same products and services that we've already always had, the same staff that we've always had, the same structure and organization we've always had, to find that the world has moved on. And actually, people don't want that anymore. They want something else. And we are now out of position. Mm. And somebody else has used the lockdown period to reshape themselves to be better suited to that future so particularly questions around market particularly questions around clients but also questions around supply and supply chains and and remobilizing those supply chains because that is going to be a a crucial element when we get back to this to this day one a lot of things will end up in very short supply again and you know, within the construction industry is a, is a prime example. You know, the, the work is still there. It's still waiting to be done. But when you come out of lockdown, all of a sudden, everybody will be scrabbling around for the same tradespeople, the same materials. And, you know, we'll really, we'll really struggle in that regard if you're not careful. So it's asking those questions around what will be the impact? What do I need to achieve my aims? Where can I find those, you know, the, the answers to those questions? Hey, Gavin here. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this mini series within the Business Mastermind podcast entitled Keep Your Boat Afloat Business Survival Guide in COVID 19 Times. If you're getting value from this, please do share it across your social media networks and to your business colleagues and acquaintances because I've gone out and got a number of guests lined up that will really help such as the MD of the British Business Bank, a business disaster planning specialist, people around marketing and around mindset at this crucial time, including an Olympic athlete. So there's some really fantastic and really high caliber content coming your way designed to help and support you through these challenging times. I've also put together a PDF entitled the same, Keep Your Boat Afloat, a business survival guide during COVID-19 times. You can get that free at bit.ly, keep your boat afloat. So you go to this link, bit or this URL, sorry, bit.ly forward slash keep your boat afloat, all lowercase, all one word, bit.ly forward slash keep your boat afloat. I cover eight areas around employees, cash strategies, the supply to your business, suppliers, your customers, pivot and adapt, your marketing, 
your mindset and your community. You'll get a lot of value from that as well in support of, in addition to what you'll find listening to this mini series, Keep Your Boat Afloat. So that URL again, bit.ly forward slash keep your boat afloat. And most of all, take care and look after those closest to you. So in terms of, uh, let's take that example of the construction. So I uh, was speaking to one of my clients who's an electrical contractor uh, just this morning, and they are hoping that within early May, their sites that they work on will be reopened. And so they they bring their team, they are back off furlough, uh, back to work, but they go to the doors of the electrical uh, sort of uh, supplier, the wholesaler, um, the uh, building contractors, and the, the the materials that they need are not in stock. So, um, which which is a very plausible scenario. Yeah. What could you recommend to help sort of go deeper into a supply chain to remobilize that uh, to to, remo- to to help to remobilize that supply chain? Um, so, I think the first thing is that uh, it's about engagement and communication sure. more than anything else. Um, the more that you can get out there and start having conversations with those individuals within your supply chain right now yes. the better yeah um because we are we are humans after all and we are therefore driven by relationships yeah so the stronger the sense of a relationship the more likely it is that somebody will support you versus somebody else who's just walked in through the door great um so building and enhancing and strengthening those relationships you know there's there's no reason why during lockdown we can't still keep communicating and keep talking um, even if we can't meet face to face, we can do the sort of thing that we're doing right now. Um, I think the other thing is is to build detailed plans around what that return will look like, what you are anticipating, what you will need. Um, you definitely want to use the team within the organisation to do that. The the tendency for a lot of business leaders is to create plans and create their detailed plans either by themselves or with their senior leadership team. But that doesn't bring in enough diverse thinking. You want to be a lot more innovative and creative than that. You want a lot more ideas than that. You want a lot more brains looking at the same problem. And actually, you know, your, your, you know, your client who runs that, you know, that electric, electrical you know, firm, you know, will doubtless will have electricians working for him within the company. Well, they are seeing day to day the reality of what is happening. So they have often the very best view as to what might happen, what is likely to be in short supply. They're talking to their other peers and they know what else is likely to be in short. So rather than the senior leadership team having to do all the thinking and coming up with all the ideas, using Mm -hmm. a, a vertical slice of the whole of the organization with people right from the very forefront of the sharp end up to the senior strategic leaders is, is really important to build that diversity of thought and of solutions. Um, the, the third thing I would then say is essentially then to test those plans. Okay. So having, you know, having got the detailed plan in place to absolutely test the plans and test them rigorously. And, and there's, you know, that's what we spend a lot of our time doing. Um, either Prior to lockdown, we were doing it face-to-face in workshops for clients, or now we're doing it virtually. But essentially, knowing that your plan will go wrong and you can run different types of tests, really effective 
short tests they only need to be maybe an hour two hours long total if you really want them to be um, that can really ferret out where the plan is weak where it needs improvement where you're taking carrying, carrying risk where you've made flawed assumptions but the other thing that those tests can do is you involve the people who will be affected by the plan okay to help you do those tests well some of the people who'll be affected by your plan will be your clients. They'll be your people in your supply chain. Now, therefore, why don't you bring those individuals from your supply chain into being involved in that test? That helps everybody understand yeah. what you're trying to achieve, what their role in your plan is, and they feel again like they've been pulled into a, a tighter team, a, a wider team that's not just your own business but it's that network of wider businesses all brought together. Great. So what might a one-hour or two-hour test look like? Could you give a, kind of a short example, a case study of that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, we did a, a two-hour test uh, for uh, a major car manufacturer, one of the German car manufacturers, who were launching a new uh, vehicle type, an electrical vehicle type, sure. and they wanted to get it right. Um, and it's something that had been a bit of a bumpy uh, pathway for them in the past. So they wanted to review it and to get it, get it right. Um, and we essentially ran an equivalent to what we call a red team, blue team approach, where you have a really small two, three people blue team who are championing the plan. And they are saying, essentially, this is the plan. This is how it's going to work. This is what we're doing it on what day, at what time. And they conceptually start the plan at day zero and start to run it out over time against a simulated reality. The simulated reality is represented by people who sit on the red team, who is everybody who will be affected by that plan. Right. So in this regard, there were dealers who, who were providing the dealerships that the vehicles would go to, almost sure. if you like, that the, 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 the interim step between the end customer yes. and yes. The, the car manufacturer themselves. You've got competitors being role-played, not for real, but you've got people in the supply chain. So you've got all these external factors at play, but you've also got the internal factors as well in terms of marketing, production, operations, finance. So the whole idea is that this red team panel acts as a 360-degree check back against the plan and even for somebody and an organization as swept up as one of these major global vehicle manufacturers who you think you know would be all in it they were humble enough to go in to accept the fact they wanted this plan to be this test to be run which was all credit to them yes absolutely and when they came out to the other end of it after two hours we'd identified 42 actions wow that they needed to take to now improve their plan or could use to enhance yes. the successful application of their plan, as well as 13 risks they hadn't previously identified. So you know, it, it's, it's, it, that sort of approach, that red team, blue team is, is, is quite a useful approach, although it is quite difficult to do if you've not done it for previously, sure. um, just for real face-to-face, -face, it's even more difficult to try and do it, to be honest, virtually. Um, the more the more um, easily to implement, easy to implement test that you could do virtually is called a pre-mortem. Okay. Uh, which essentially is the opposite of your red team, blue team. Whereas a red team, blue team starts at day zero and conceptually runs your plan out against a likely reality. 
so you get a, a view of what's likely to happen and what you need to do. A pre-mortem goes all the way to the end of the plan in its imagination, and it's been an absolute disaster. It's been a catastrophe, and you work back from that to work out how you mitigate against those factors okay. in order to avoid them in the first place. Right. Brilliant. And you know that level of thinking and preparation um, rarely happens. Particularly in SMEs, I, I think yeah, it, it's it's something that um, I've been banging the drum about ever since I set up, you know, Quirk Solutions like nine, nine years ago now when I left the Royal Marines. You know, a lot of a lot of cost and a lot of impact on margin to all organisations, but particularly SMEs, happens through mistakes that could have been prevented. Yes, um, because. The mistakes then slow the delivery down as you try and work out what you're going to do. And inevitably, because you find yourself in a bit of a crisis situation at that point in time, you tend to throw money at the problem to make it go away. Whereas actually, these tests take very little time to do. They're very simple to actually run and implement. There's, there's obviously a degree of experience required around running one and designing one. And I guess that's where our expertise sits. Um, but you can you can quite quickly learn that and develop that. But a short test then basically starts to really screen out all of those failure factors that would come to impact against you. And therefore, you don't have the slowdown, you don't have the crisis situation, and your margins start to improve. And you know, the, the one reason why most SMEs fail is because they simply run out of cash. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so... You know, if, if you can avoid anything that costs you unforeseen money, the best, surely the better. And it's a yes. small amount of investment to make that happen. And also, if you think through the test, I think one of the powerful things that will come out from that is the human factors, the human dynamics about how are people are responding to the crisis, to the challenge or to external authority figures coming in and suggesting you might do things differently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's. People that people that do run pressure tests of any type, I think always do it because they're wanting to try and achieve the first thing I've just been talking about there, you know, avoiding those mistakes, avoiding those costs and those errors. If you do it right and you do it in the right way, it can be a hugely powerful team enhancing and agile building yes. framework because yeah. everybody that's been involved, everybody that's been in that room with you has been exploring all sorts of different solutions, topics, issues. So inevitably, when the plan still goes wrong, even when you've tested it, people are able to shift in a much more higher tempo fashion to an alternative because you've already been exploring them. You've got that confidence that you've built. You've got that trust that you've built. Leaders have shown that they can be vulnerable and are willing to have the, you know, the plan critiqued and challenged and they're comfortable with that because they think it's important to hear other people's viewpoints. Those people then feel empowered and feel like they have been trusted and they feel valued. That You increase the level of loyalty and trust that comes back into the business. It, it delivers all sorts of enhanced benefits wider than just a pure test of the plan. For sure. And I think uh, one area of contrast, I think, from um, leaders of businesses compared to those that uh, are from a military background, emergency services background, even pilots where they're trained and trained and trained to deal with all sorts of eventualities and how they will be able to perform under pressure at their best under pressure. Um, 
business owners and leaders don't necessarily have that exposure, but a test like this starts to develop that capability to perform as a team and uh, as a leader under under crisis situations or under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the the military or sports people or, like you say, emergency services spend an inordinate amount of time training. Yes. Um, but they don't train against necessarily specific scenarios. They train for anything, for any eventuality. Um, businesses rarely have the time to do that, or they feel they don't have the time to do that because business as usual hoovers up so much of their time. So actually, this period that we're in right now is, an, is almost an ideal opportunity for lots of organizations to take advantage of some training that can be done. You know, even organizations that have got staff furloughed, whether they are ordinarily from management leadership or whatever, you know, you can still conduct training, yes, you, can, yeah. you know, within, within a policy guideline. So why not train people right now during this downturn so that when people come back to work, they're more effective. And when the business is going to be under pressure through those difficult supply chains and the pressure to get back to where they were, people are more effective and able to do that. So training is absolutely important. Um, but in order for tr to train for any eventuality, a lot of what we do in the leadership courses that we run, um, when, we're, when we're doing our leadership courses, we spend a lot of time looking at decision-making. Right. And, and looking at how you make decisions, who makes decisions, what is the right level of decision-making and authority, what biases affect us when we're making our decisions and how can we recognize those and, and work with those? How do, how do genuine experts make decisions and what can we learn from that? Because for me, business and organization, commercial leadership, you know, or military leadership or any type of leadership is about making decisions. We shouldn't be doing the thinking. And I think that lots of people get drawn into the fact that they believe they should be doing all of the thinking, all the analysis, come up with all the decisions because that's what they're meant to be. That's what they're meant to do. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, but I don't think that that is the case or should be the case at all. I think that, you know, businesses and business leaders should absolutely be focused on decision making and getting their teams to come up with the thinking on their behalf. Agreed, uh, and, and that will actually take away some of the fatigue from them around that they may be experiencing because of the pressure to come up with the answers when, of course, they won't necessarily know all of the answers. Exactly, exactly right. You know, much better. You know, when when I was operating, you know, in the different military environments that I've been in in Afghanistan or wherever else, the senior leaders aren't out there, you know, trying to work out what's going on. They're sitting back, having the information flowing to them, being analysed, coming to a central point so that they can then make choices and decisions to then drive the thing forward. Yes. Uh, and I think it's, it's all too easy when things get very uncertain and get very fluid and very dynamic, as you were saying, and we kind of get this a little bit paralysed, is this sense that we need to dive down into the detail ourselves so we understand the detail ourselves instead of trusting our people and our teams to do that thinking for us so that we can keep a clear head to make the decisions. That's a really powerful analogy as well. I know everybody would be able to relate to. I just want to hark back to an earlier part of the conversation when we start to talk about three different groups uh, and then return to a level of uh, business as usual, if that phrase uh, will be usual. I heard you talk about this concept around decompression before, and I'd just like you to speak to that in terms of how that could be applied um, to the world of business. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's 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 going back, like you say, to the to the point about people coming back to work and feeling that's like fearfulness, you know, and, and anxiety um, as they start to go back out the door and, and shift from the pattern and the routine they've been in. Um, and the military use a process that they call decompression to do that. So as individuals come out of combat fighting operations in Afghanistan or Iraq, wherever it was, it was. We used to stop off in Cyprus as yes. kind of like a temporary stepping stone. Yeah. We'd go to a base. It was basically, you know, you weren't allowed out of the base, but the base had an amount of beach frontage. Right. And you could do a mixture of organized structured activities that were going to be of benefit for you. So um, support through talking, sharing about experiences, because that becomes very powerful. Um, uh, and to help mutual understanding about how everybody's felt about what they've been through. Sure. But also some self-time, if you like, it's where you could do a bit of sunbathing and a bit yeah. of really reading and relaxing. Right. So I think it is important to, to consider, as organisations come back, what will be that middle ground for us? What will be that stepping stone? Because we can't expect people to come simply from where they are now back into day one as if it was the 1st of March 2020 all over again, just turn the lights on, everyone walk back in and away we go. Mm. We are going to have to ease people gradually back into, into that work and into that role. So thinking about that decompression, about what you might do, how structured is it going to be? Are you going to do one sudden big one day offsite for everybody and then, then go, great, everything's done? Or are you going to drip feed it over a number of maybe afternoons or half days so that people gradually go through it and it's a bit more extended? What advice are you going to take around getting people talking and sharing? Because sharing helps that mutual understanding, particularly between those different tribes we spoke about earlier on, of those who've been at work, those who've been at home, those who've been furloughed. You know, if everybody understands where each other has been and what they've been thinking, then it builds trust sure um, and to quote another very great military leader former u.s marine corps general and um, called general matthias you know he is general mattis it's trust is tempo the more that the, there is trust within your organization the higher the tempo the organization will be powerful quote yeah so when you've got operational requirements back in a business to try and make up some other lost ground mm-hmm. it takes uh, wisdom and trust for a leadership team to be able to say that um, you you're going to have to go slow to start off with in order to go fast mm-hmm. further down the line. You know whether it's a half day a week or whether it's some off sites or whether it's ac- acknowledging what individuals need mentally and physically by way of rest or recuperation from this period. Mm-hmm. That, how what would you say to a leader that? kind of likes the concept and the theory, but he's struggling around operational necessity to get back delivering bottom line um, and getting cash flow. I would, start to, I would start to use the teams and start to use them right now. Um, so start to use the teams right now to start to consider what activities will need to be happening post lockdown. Yes. There's no reason why we can't be considering that right now. And leaders, let's face it, should be considering it right now. But if they start to use their teams and give their, give their teams some delegated boundaries on specific topics that they want them to look at, almost create these high-impact teams or the thinking club, as another, as another organization I've worked with has called it, 
creating small teams. I want you to look at supply chain. I want you to look at clients and market shifts. I want you to, whatever they are, a, a small three or four person team that have been told, we want you to look at it in the first following geography or the following demographic or you know the following client type or you can use as many other people from the organization to help you. You give them a set of parameters and a space or a framework and that allows them now to explore everything inside that space. So you're doing two things essentially as a leader now. You are upskilling your talent in your organization. You are helping them to develop leadership skills and management skills themselves by looking at the problems and coming up with the solutions. That gives you a greater sense of the options of what might be out there because you've got lots of brains thinking about it, not just yours. But also it starts to build, if you like, that model so that when you go back to work, when everybody is back to work and the pressure is back on to grow, people have already experienced this concept of operating with a degree of freedom with inside some delegated frameworks to a very set outcome that the, that the leadership have specified. So actually, when the pressure is back on now, and there's lots of stuff that needs to be done, and you can't possibly keep an eye over all of it, you start to use the same process, the same methodology, the same concept to drive the business, to drive the business forward. And we, we took a long time before the whole COVID era the same concept into an engineering manufacturing organization that had struggled with on-time delivery for a long time, um, up to three years. And they tried all sorts of approaches because they're a manufacturer. They tried Lean, they tried Six Sigma, they did lots of top-down de- diff, you know, delivered and driven change. And we came in and, and started to help them do this, hit teams, high-impact teams with a framework, with a delegated sort of parameters around them. And leave them to come up with the answers, leave them to create the solutions that they know from the real sort of shop floor. But then harking back to something we've already spoken about, the senior leadership team could just make decisions on and say, I like that bit, I like that bit, I don't like that bit, we're going to keep that bit. Um, And within four months of that intervention, they had got a 30% increase on their on-time delivery. So it's it's a very, very powerful tool. Um, but now is the time when people can practice it without too much risk because you've got the opportunity to pause and to reimagine the future of your organization. We've got lots of opportunity now to have a clean sheet of paper and say, if we were to do things differently in the future, what would we do differently and why and how? And let's do some thinking about that. So if there were three to five takeaways you could give listeners to this uh, to this conversation uh, from what we've talked about beyond lockdown, what would those uh, key takeaways be? Mikey, we've covered quite a lot, haven't we? We have indeed. <laughs> we've talked about mobilisation. Um, we've talked about decompression. We've talked about yeah. red and blue team. Um, yeah, so I suppose the first thing, the, 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 the real headline one for me would be test, test, test. Right. Um, you know, the more that you can use some sort of testing methodology, whatever it is, to run scrutiny over the plans that you are developing now for how your business will change and develop and be successful and be viable in six months, to use that terminology again, the better. Sure. You know, it's, it's crucial not just from ensuring that that plan is robust, but that people understand it and you're agile. So testing is the first key takeaway. I, I think the second key takeaway is around using your team more. 
um, and getting away from this sense that because it's uncertain, because it's very fluid, I need to draw all the decision making back into me, all of the thinking back into me, all the analysis back into me, and actually to, to go the completely opposite way and enable teams within delegated parameters to do a lot of that thinking on your behalf, because that will generate much higher tempo. Um, and I think the final thing really is around that training piece then, you know, using training to um, in, enable the future. If you've got people who have bubbled up through this process as talent that you hadn't previously realized you've got, how do you retain that? How do you retain those individuals or a lot of it? And how do you make them as fit as possible for the future that you need within your organization? A lot of it comes down to training. And there's so much online support and training out there right now from management and leadership courses that people could do. Sure. Now is the time to do it so that you enable that future. So, yeah, testing, using the team and training and doing so right now. Fantastic. Chris, how do people find out about more about you um, and specifically what you and your team do at Quirk Solutions? Um, well, they can go onto our website, obviously, which is um, quirksolutions.co.uk um, and, and have a look at us there. You also find us on Twitter at quirk underscore solutions. Um, and there's contact forms uh, within the Quirk website that people can use to get in touch if they want to ask specific questions about their own organization. But also on our insights page of the website are a whole range of resources there for people from podcasts to the webinar recordings that we've been doing recently, articles that have been written. So there's lots of guidance and free stuff there that they can just dive into and, and digest and see how it might help them. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Chris. No problem at all. Delighted to have helped. I think there were some brilliant takeaways in that conversation with Chris. The things that really stood out for me was the importance of the questions. If you want to cut through the noise of all the data and opinion and predictions around how our worlds of business may or may not change, then zone in on some key questions that you need to ask for your business and then go in search of the answers to those questions. Chris gave some great examples such as how is my marketplace changing? Another one would be in what way do our product or service have to um, change or innovate in order to be able to um, be relevant in the in new marketplace. The second key point for me was testing, you know, this concept of the blue and the red testing and about how you can stress test or pressure test the launch of a new product, the return to work, um, dealing with different sort of scenarios. So this isn't just like uh, a critical management or critical thinking or, or, or disaster planning, crisis management planning. This is, you know, business as usual, a launch, etc. How could you test, test and test? This for me is a great way in which companies can adopt some of the philosophy that the military do about training and training so that they can uh, cope with and adapt to any eventuality and still perform in those circumstances. And the third key takeaway for me personally was around remobilizing the supply chain. You recall that uh, Chris suggested three things to help remobilize your supply chain relationships, you know, communicate, build those relationships, plan and set teams up within your organization to sort of plan what will be needed and then test that plan. 
Really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks again to Chris. And I hope you not only have taken away a lot from it, but you will be able to use the insights in this episode to be able to help you and your business emerge successfully from lockdown. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms. Enjoy more success and create more impact.